What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Shauna. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Speaking of Murders. back everybody to another episode of speaking of murders and welcome to all you new listeners before we get started on today's episode we're going to take care of a little bit of business we have two other shows speaking of missing persons and speaking of hauntings if you like this you'll like those so make sure you go check those out um if you want to see photos associated with today's case make sure you're checking out our socials all of those are linked in the episode and show description we got an instagram we got a facebook all that good stuff if you want bonus episodes Make sure you subscribe to our Patreon. Become what we really need to come up with a name for our patrons. I know. Tell us we're we're gonna poll our patrons and figure out what they want to be called, and we'll call them that. So make sure you're getting subscribed to that. You get a bonus episode every other Saturday. It's awesome. It's grand. It's great. Check it out. Um, don't forget to leave a five star review wherever you're listening. It helps us go up the charts and get to more people so they can hear the stories. So make sure you're doing that. And if you have a case that you want to hear on the show, send that to our email, missingmurderedhaunted at gmail.com. All of that said, Sarah, tell us about some murders. Love to, Bob. Okay, so this case is really rough. And it goes with Shauna's haunting case that she did about Pocatello High School. And I'm going to tell you about the horrible murder of Cassie Jo Stoddart. So all the teenagers involved in this case went to Pocatello High School. So first, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the city of Pocatello because it's like kind of small. Like population 50,000 in 2006 when this case took place. It's in southeastern Idaho, and it's like a lot of people knew each other. Cassie was born on December 21st, 1989 in Pocatello. Christmas baby. Yes. She was the middle child of three. She had an older sister and a younger brother. Her parents were separated, and there's not like a whole lot of information about their actual family family except that they spent a lot of time at their grandparents house okay while their mom worked what year did you say 2006 2006 that's when she was born no okay she was born in 1989 gotcha okay every teenager involved in this is 16 okay so we're going to talk about four teenagers they're all 16 years old they all went to the same high school they were friends Damn. Yeah, so this was going on in a different state as we were in high school. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, that would have been the year I graduated. Yeah, that was the year before I graduated. Well, all of these kids were juniors in high school. Which yeah, that's what that I would have been. going into high school the next year. So, like I said, she spent, her and her siblings spent a lot of time at their grandparents' house and she, they did have a stepfather, but there's literally no information about him. Okay. Or her mom. Cassie was described as being very smart, responsible, kind. She was strong-willed. She was into art and loved music. She got straight A's in school. Dang. And did not do drugs or drink. Okay. She was a very good kid. Good on her. She, she sounds like a good kid. The horrible event of this story starts in September of 2006. Cassie had been dating a boy named Matt Beckham for five months. And they were actually, like, really happy. And he was also described as being a really good guy. Her aunt and uncle asked Cassie if she could house it for them while they went on a weekend trip 
Cassie had done this before and jumped at the chance to make some extra money because she was trying to save up to buy a car. Okay. Along with watching the actual house, she was supposed to take care of their three cats and two dogs. Her aunt and uncle had only been living in this house, which was located on West Whispering Cliffs Drive for about a year. They had moved to Pocatello from California. Oh, damn. Okay. The house was four bedrooms, three bathrooms, and located on two acres of land. Cassie was supposed to house it from September 22nd to September 24th, which gives me the heebie-jeebies because it's literally my birthday week. So from Friday to Sunday. She asked her aunt and uncle if it would be okay if Matt came over in the afternoons to keep her company because, well, big house in the middle of freaking nowhere. Right. There weren't close neighbors. They actually said that it was fine because everybody really liked Matt. Her mom did. Her whole family did. So on September 22nd, Cassie went to the house like her mom took her and dropped her dropped her off matt showed up around 6 p.m they were going to watch a movie uh the movie was kill bill volume two great movie nice yeah that's a good movie at some point two other classmates of theirs a boy named brian draper and another boy named tori adamchek showed up at the house They had been invited by Matt at school that day. Oh, damn. They were his, well, it it depends on which thing you read or watch or whatever. Because some say he was only close to Brian. Some say he was only close to Tori. But those two guys were like best friends. So they went everywhere together. I watched all of their interrogation footage, which is a lot, and Matt and Brian were actually friends. Like... Okay. And Tori was Brian's friend, but didn't really like Matt. I gotcha. Kind of a third wheel-ish. Right. So Cassie was friends with both of these boys, too, but not, like, best friends. It was just she knew of them because they hung out with her boyfriend. Yeah, kind of her boyfriend's friends. Right. Yeah. So she was super annoyed when they showed up at the house and they were making it seem like, oh, we Matt told us you were having a party. And like, where's all these other people that are supposed to be at this party? And Matt was like, I never told you it was a party. I said we were going to watch a movie. So after like, you know, getting upset about it, she finally was like, just come in and you can watch the movie with us. Once in the house, Cassie and Matt gave Brian and Tori a tour because they had never been to her aunt and uncle's house before. And then they all went back to the living room to watch a movie. The movie. Kill Bill. So some reports say that Brian and Tori were there for two hours. If you watch their interrogation footage, they say they were only there an hour. But it changes like at what time they even showed up. Okay. We can't get definitive about times until later. Okay. Either way, they claimed they were bored and told the couple they were going to leave and go to the movie theater instead to watch a movie, which... Yep, let's leave this movie. Let's leave this movie to To go go watch watch another movie. movie. Yeah, because we're bored. Right. Right, I'm with Bobby. Okay, bye. See you later. I didn't want you here in the first place. Well, they did tell Matt that they would come back and give him a ride if he needed one because he didn't have a car either. Like, some things say he didn't even have his driver's license yet. So his mom had brought him to the house also like Cassie's mom did. Oh, boy. About 15 minutes after Brian and Tori left, the power in the house went out. And Cassie and Matt could hear noises coming from the basement. And one of the dogs, some reports say, one of the dogs was like standing at the top of the basement door growling. Scared, the couple decided not to go check it out. 
they weren't they were like this ain't a scary movie i'm not right going to see what the hell that is instead they just stayed on the couch and waited like 10 15 minutes and the lights came back on matt called his mom and asked her if he could stay there with cassie because she was like freaked out because the power and the fact that she's hearing banging noises and stuff coming from the basement well matt's mom was like no two 16 year olds are not gonna stay in this empty house by themselves if cassie's that scared she can come stay at our house where i can monitor the situation and you know she can sleep on our couch whatever i think i'd have done the exact same thing right yeah but cassie declined because she had agreed to house it and sit with the dogs and the cats so she didn't want her aunt and uncle to be mad at her for leaving the house even though it would have only been for the night i don't even think they would have been mad well at around 10 30 matt's mom came to pick him up matt called tori once he was in the car with his mom to let him know that he no longer needed a ride and Tori was like whispering on the phone. So Matt just assumed that they were in the movie theater because he was like talking in a whisper like he couldn't, you would if you answered the phone in a movie theater. Right. And the reason he called Tori, from my understanding, is because Brian also did not have a car. The only one who had a car was Tori. Okay. So Matt had no idea. That this would be the absolute last time he would see Cassie alive. When Matt left the house, the lights went out again. And again, Cassie did not go to the basement to see what was going on. She was like huddled on the couch with a blanket, hoping for the best. The next day, Matt called Cassie repeatedly and got no answer. And he didn't have a car, so he couldn't drive out there to go check on her and his mom was working that day I think and so he couldn't go there and she wasn't answering the phone and even so the it was like said cell phone service was shitty yeah which I believe Mm -hmm. he did hang out with Tori that Saturday because I guess him and Tori and Brian were supposed to do something and he asked Tori to take him there to check on her and Tori said he didn't have enough gas to drive all the way to the house and back so on Sunday September 24th when Cassie's aunt and uncle arrived back home her 13 year old cousin was the first one into the house she found Cassie lying on the floor in a pool of blood and like started screaming when her parents came inside to see what was going on they immediately called 911 so cassie had been dead since the friday holy shit now we're gonna kind of backtrack and things a little bit here so when investigators arrived and began like processing this scene they decided right away that cassie knew her attackers because there was no sign of forced entry and literally nothing in the house had been touched besides the living room having blood on, like, around her body. But, like, nothing was missing, ransacked, nothing. It was like the house was completely immaculately clean. So they're like, she had to have known whoever did this because it's obviously not a home invasion. Right. So the first person they go to obviously is Matt because he was the last one with her and he was described as being eager to help them and willing to answer their questions but emotionless like he had no emotions when he found out what happened to her but at the same time that can be trauma response right which they decided later was probably because he was like in a daze almost like yeah yeah. well he gave investigators the a detailed timeline of events from friday night and even provided the proof of his phone calls the that next saturday to her that went unanswered and he had an alibi because his mom had came to pick him up and he had been home the rest of the night 
Right. So he was ruled out as a suspect. But he said, like, Brian and Tori were there. And so they were like, okay, well, we're going to go question Brian and Tori. They would end up being questioned several times over the next few days. Because they were both 16, their parents were technically allowed to be there the whole entire time. Unless they waived that right. Which Brian did at some point. But Tori refused to, like, talk to investigators without his mom or dad present. Because they're still minors. At first, they tried to stick to this story that they hung out at the house for a couple hours, but then went to the movies. Brian told investigators they had seen the movie Pulse, but he couldn't tell them anything about it. He couldn't tell them the plot of the movie. He couldn't tell them who played in the movie. And when they pushed him on this, he said, well, it's because I spent the whole time talking to these girls that I met at the theater. And so they're like, okay, well, tell us about these girls. And then he had nothing. Who are they? Where do they go to school? Blah, blah, blah. And then he had nothing. And this is when Brian switches his lies and decides to be like, okay, we weren't at the movies. We were actually breaking into unlocked cars and stealing stuff. Again, knowing he is lying, the investigators are like, okay, well, what kind of cars? Where, what neighborhoods? Because we've had no reports of cars being broken into. Right. And his response to that was, well, I mean, there wasn't anything to take. So they wouldn't have called the cops because we didn't find anything to take. Well, hmm. I've had my car broken into multiple times, and you definitely notice when it's broken into, regardless. Right. At this point, though, they had nothing to hold either boy, so they let them go, but they literally interrogated them every single day. They brought them back in every day. So the next day, Tori is now telling the same exact story about breaking into cars, because him and Brian had time to get their shit together right and his parents like no offense and don't come for me but his parents were legit sitting in the interrogation room trying to help him make this lie like seem real like oh is that where that cd case came from and that's in our basement is because you stole it out of a car seriously and then tori would be like oh yeah 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 Yeah, I didn't steal it out of the car, though. Brian stole it out of the car. Oh, my goodness. And he just left it at our house. So, yeah, that's... And he also claimed the reason why he didn't tell that story the first time is because he was told by someone that you would get 10 years in prison for every car you had broken into. Really? Yeah. So, on September 27th, Police brought the boys in again for questioning. This would be the day that Brian would crack. Kind of. And by kind of, I mean, he pretty much whole-ass told on himself, but he only half-ass told the story. (laughs) Oh, okay. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. So, he decides to tell them that while Cassie had been giving them a tour of the house that Friday, he unlocked the basement door without her knowing. After the tour, they watched some of Kill Bill, about half of it, he said. Then they got bored and said they were going to the movies. They got into their car, parked a little ways down the street, dressed in black, put on gloves, these scary-ass horrific masks that you can see a picture of if you go to our Instagram or Facebook, and they brought knives. Then they went back into the house through the unlocked basement door 15 minutes after they left. So this is the point when the lights went out the first time. Okay. He claimed... That they were just supposed to go in and scare Matt and Cassie. So they flipped the breaker and made a bunch of noise, hoping that the two of them would come in the basement and they could just scare them. But like I said before, 
neither of them went into the basement. They were like, hell to the fuck no. Right. We've seen horror movies. After Matt left, this is when Brian says they hit the breaker one more time, hoping that Cassie would come downstairs on her own. Shit. I know. But again, they're just trying to scare her. But, of course, she did not go downstairs. He said that Tori got angry because she didn't come downstairs. And so he stomped up the stairs. Once he was at the top of the stairs, he opened and slammed a closet door to scare Cassie even more. And then Brian said that this is when Tori went fucking crazy and attacked Cassie, stabbing her until she was dead. At first, he claimed he never stabbed her, that it was all Tori. But then later changed his story and said, yeah, he did stab her, but it was only like four times in the legs and the stomach because Tori threatened his life, is what he said. Tori it was only four yeah. times? Yeah, because... I haven't told you the extent of it just quite yet. But he said Tori threatened his life and said if he didn't participate, then he was just going to kill him too. Well, on top of this, Brian told investigators where to find all the evidence that they would need in a place called Black Rock Canyon. Brian and his father actually went with police to retrieve this evidence. So... They had discarded in this canyon a blue trash bag that contained all the clothes they wore that night, partially melted white and red masks. So these masks are white, and then they're painted like they're bleeding from the eyes and the mouth okay. in red paint. So like uh, purge style type yeah. of shit? Okay. That's what I'm picturing. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, is that they had painted these themselves in Tori's front yard. And like his parents were just like, oh, he's painting Halloween masks in September. I mean, that yeah. would make sense. Not, yeah. That's not weird. Yeah. That's, that's in September, really not that especially weird. Especially like Halloween 25th. Okay. They're just preparing. I mean, right, people I guess do Halloween like, parties all October. Yeah, I know. It's just, I know what happens. I also know what happens, but still, I probably. Okay. wouldn't question my child for that either. So also in this trash bag, they found two knives. One was a hunting knife, and the other was like a dagger-style knife. Gloves, a partially burned piece of notebook paper, a melted bottle of hydrogen peroxide, which they had tried to use to start a fire to burn the rest of the shit. Hydrogen peroxide. Yeah. Okay. A box of matches, and the most important piece of evidence of all, a homemade Sony videotape and camera. Oh, boy. The investigators had all this evidence before they even went to question Tori and be like, dude, we know your car burglary bullshit is a lie. We have all this evidence now. And I will say, the investigator that was like the main investigator on this case was literally panicking about this videotape because he was like I do not want to watch this videotape if it shows the murder of this 16 year old girl but I will say it did not show her murder to put your mind at ease a little bit her murder was not videotaped I'll say I kind of wish it had so that it would have been easier to you know right he like the investigator the investigator was like on the fence he was like yes it would make it cut and dry cut yeah. and dry there's no denying it but the videotape made it cut and dry without them actually showing her murder well tori tried to deny all involvement but was quickly backed into a corner so he did the same thing brian did and be like uh he did it ah uh, of course. Yeah. So it was a blame each other kind of a deal. Mm -hmm. Right. So the, he did the same thing, like blames Brian and did the whole, I didn't know she was going to get murdered. I thought we were just going to scare her kind of a deal. He literally tried to say the exact same thing Brian yeah. said. He then shut up and asked for a lawyer. He was like, I want a lawyer. Because his parents were sitting there like, didn't you talk to a lawyer to... 
last night, Tori. Do you want to use the lawyer, Tori? Did you like that lawyer, Tori? And then he was like, oh, yeah, I want to talk to a lawyer. And then the cop was like, okay, cool. We'll get you a lawyer. Go get one. So the videotape. The videotape. Okay. So Brian and Tori wanted to be filmmakers. They recorded a lot of their everyday lives. Their favorite genre of movies were horror movies. And they talked openly about wanting to make a horror movie or a documentary. So people didn't think it was that weird that they walked around school videotaping everything they did because they claim to be aspiring filmmakers it's kind of like adam goldberg right except twisted and messed up not wanting to make movies like star wars yeah nothing wrong with horror movies this has nothing to do with horror movies this is their own bullshit so i'm gonna like go through conversations that they had on these videotapes and the first one is from september 21st at 8.36 p.m., so this is the day before, and both boys are in Tori's car. He's driving, and Brian is the one filming in the passenger seat. So Brian says, we found our victim, and sad as it is, but she's our friend. But you know what? We all have to make sacrifices. Our first victim is going to be Cassie Stoddart and her friends. We'll find out if she has friends over, if she's going to be alone in a big dark house out in the middle of nowhere. How perfect can you get? I mean, like, holy shit, dude. Then Tori says, I'm horny just thinking about it. And mm. then I just puked in my mouth. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like that, that right there. Good Lord, that's fucking horrific. Yeah, and then they both laugh on this videotape. And then the conversation goes, I didn't, the rest of the conversation is like literally just them arguing over the fact that the devil and God don't exist, so that means evil doesn't exist, and good doesn't exist. Oh, so they're trying to validate what they're about to do, basically? Eh, Not really, because it all, the conversation started because Brian responded to his comment and said, Dude, we're so evil. And then Tori's like, evil doesn't exist, man. Because the devil doesn't exist. And God doesn't exist. So good doesn't exist. Okay. Sound like a bunch of morons. So then Brian says, hey, we're not okay. Then we are sick psychopaths who get their pleasure off killing other people. Just so you know, half the things that they say don't make sense. So then Tori says, that sounds good, baby. Then Brian says, we're going to go down in history. We're going to be just like Scream, except real life terms. And then Tori says, that sounds good, baby. And then I'm trying to figure out in what context (laughs) baby is being used here. Like in a cool kind of context. Remember, it's 2006. Eh. So it's more of a baby instead of yeah. a baby. Like yeah. calling him baby as a... It's going to be turn. awesome, baby. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see. I yeah, see. Bobby's way. I see. I That's what I was thinking. I just can't I bring like, myself. I don't know. To, I just can't bring myself. Okay. So then Brian says, we're going to be murderers. Like, let's see. Long pause. Ted Bundy. Or like the Hillside Strangler. First of all, it's the Hillside Stranglers. There's two. And then Tori says, no. Just no. And Brian goes, like, the Zodiac Killer? Then Tori says, those people were more amateurs compared to what we're going to be. We're going to go, we're going to be more of higher sources like Ed Gla. And then Brian goes, Gein? And Tori goes, oh, yeah, Gein. Like Ed Gein. But wait. And then they laugh. Uh, I'm not touching it with 10-foot poles. So wait a minute. They thought Ed Gein 
was high class compared to Ted, Ted Bundy. Bundy and the Hillside Stranglers. First off, none of these people. The Stranglers. Okay, the Hillside Stranglers are. Oh. Do do an episode on them. I might puke, but they killed a lot of girls, and so did Ted Bundy. Compared to Ed Gein, Ed Gein barely two, two well, people. And Ed Gein was yeah. Um, like, use your skin. Well, My thing is, is none of these people are fucking high class because of the amount of people they killed or what they did well, or anything no, no, like no. that. I'm just saying, like, if you put Ted Bundy next to Ed Gein, which one of them's wearing flannel? Ed Ge- or Ted Bundy had, like, a super high IQ. Yeah, I know, but my thing, my thing with the whole Ed Gein being higher up is because there isn't like a bajillion movies made about Ted Bundy. There's a bajillion movies based off Ed Gein. Yeah, but they the point about this is, and that people make fun of them for, is Tori didn't even know what his name was. He knew his name was Ed, but he he was just like glah glah. It's the glah. fact that they're idolizing serial killers, and, and they, they think that they're going, and they think that being a killer and murdering people is going to, you know, it. I guess in a way, yes, gives you fame, but for all the fucking wrong reasons. Yeah. What do you do with it? Rot in fucking prison. Yeah. Congratulations. People was it worth it so after they figure out that they're talking about ed gain brian says well let's say we're that sick and that twisted and tori says oh you know what ed gain's words were and brian says what and tori goes he saw a girl walking down the street right Two questions came to his mind. Um, I take her out and have a nice time with her. And then Brian interrupts him and says, and then kill her, question mark, or skin her alive. And Tori says, charm the pants off her. Or I wonder what her head would look like on a stick. I don't think he ever said that. No. Ed Gein was like, mm, and these two. I wonder what her okay. skin would look like on a belt. And she's already dead. She's already dead. I know. <laughs> I know who Ed Gein is. You didn't Gein see is. her walk down the street? Anyway, so then Brian says, holy shit. And Tori goes, it's creepy, huh? And Brian says, kick ass. Murder is power. Murder is freedom. Goodbye. And that part of the tape ends. These oh, are boy. a couple of the dumbest boys I've ever heard of. Right? So then on Friday, September... 22nd 8 28 a.m so this is the day of the murder brian is walking down the hall in this video holding the video camera and someone is walking next to him but he never shows that person on video and then he walks straight to cassie's locker videotaping her and says hey look it's cassie hello cassie and she says hello and brian laughs and says, I'm getting you on tape, okay? Just say hi, please. And so she says hi. The point was they wanted to get her on videotape that day because they knew they were going to kill her that day. On Friday? Yeah. So this was in the morning when they were at school. So on the same day, at 12.10, Tori and Brian are sitting at a table at school with the camera like sitting on the table facing them, and Tori is like writing in a notebook. So Brian says, all right, cool, like out of nowhere. And then Tori is like looking down at the notebook and he's writing. And he says, also out of nowhere, I was planning to kill him. And Brian goes, we're skipping our fourth period class. We're writing our plan right now for tonight. It's going to be cool. And then Tori says, we, Tori and Brian... We're making our death list right now for when, for actually tonight. And then for like a minute, they're just like whispering at each other in the video because a teacher is walking by and they want to act like they're doing homework or whatever and not skipping class. So when she's gone, Brian is like, yeah, if you're watching this, we're probably deceased. Hopefully this will go smoothly and we can get our first kill done and then keep going. And Tori says, for the future serial killers watching this tape, I don't know what to say. 
And then Brian goes, good luck. So Mr. Brian, who Tori forced my hand and made me stabbed her, is like the most stoked about the whole fucking thing. It seems like he's just amped about it during all of these. They're both amped about it, but he talks a lot. Tori is like the more brooding, I'm so depressed type of dude. Just the amount of stupidity oozing off of these two has made... Yeah, it's just... It's it's just icky. It's just like, you're (sighs) fucking... What? Yeah. Well, then Tori says, hopefully you don't have eight or nine failures like we have. And then Brian goes, yeah, we've probably tried maybe 10 times, but they've never been home alone. And then Tori says, or when they have been, their parents show up in the middle. So they've literally tried to kill at least eight or nine other girls before this point. But have almost gotten caught. Oh my goodness. So Matt basically saying, hey, come hang out with me and Cassie at her aunt and uncle's house. They're out of town for the fucking weekend was just a... It was exactly what they needed to know they wouldn't get caught. Oh my God. Yeah, but at the same time... I know he didn't know that, but... There's no way he knew. I don't Mm. blame him in any way. No. No. No, he's been cleared of all involvement. Because I'm sure if he would have known, he would have told them to get fucked. Yeah. And if he ever hears this, it ain't your fault, dude. Don't blame yourself. No, no, it isn't. From everything I have seen, like, it's almost like he's in hiding. Because nobody knows where he is or what he's doing or anything. I don't blame him. Yeah. Keep your mental health alive, buddy. It's not your fault. So then... Brian says, as long as you're patient, you know, because like, remember, they're talking to future serial killers. As long as you're patient, you know, and we were patient and now we're getting paid off because our victims, victims, home alone. So we got our plan all worked out now. They were planning on killing Matt, too. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Cassie's family, but she had to be the one. We have to stick to the plan, and she's perfect. So, she's going to die. And they laugh. How can you be so nonchalant about... I have no idea. It's blowing my mind. Like, you just... Like, it's nothing. Yeah. It's just an everyday thing to do. It's because they just want to know what it feels like to kill somebody and be like a horror movie they don't care they're not thinking about her like she's a person Mm-mm. so the note that was found in the blue trash bag at black rock canyon was the death list was the death list but it was like so burned that they couldn't make out a whole lot on it except that they also planned on killing matt like, if him and Cassie would have went in the basement together when they first they shut both off the lights, they both would have died. Which Holy has to shit. be a hard fucking thing for Matt to live, like, live right. with also. It's all, that's also not awful. your fault. So. No, they did the smart thing. Like, don't fucking don't, go check out the noise. No. And they tried to use the phone, but because it's, like, old school, the phone went out when the power went out. Right. Um, and then her, neither of their cell phones would work. Because of where they were. I, I'm just going to go ahead and say this, and I could be entirely wrong, but when I did watch this on the episode of whatever show, I thought they had cut the phone lines. No. It was an old school phone that like plugged into the wall. And so it was needed, a landline, yeah. and they just cut the power to the house. The, they cut the power to the whole house, which gotcha. then made the phone not work. Because it was, like, not a cordless phone. It was an old-school plug-it-in-the-wall phone. Oh, rotary phones usually work when the power's out. It wasn't a rotary phone. If, you get, if you're going to have a landline, get yourself a rotary phone. So, anyway, we're in a new part of the video. This is Brian. He says, we're here in Tori's car. The time is 9.50 on September 22nd, 2006. Um, unfortunately, we have the grueling task of killing our two friends, and they're right in, in the house down the street. Because, see, Brian has a stutter when he gets really, uh, okay, overly excited. Tori says, we just talked to them. 
we were there for an hour, but... And then he doesn't finish a sentence. And Brian says, we checked out the house. We know there's lots of doors. There, There's lots of places to hide. Um, I unlocked the back doors. It's all unlocked. Now we just got to wait. And um, yep, we're really nervous right now. But, you know, we're ready. Then Tori says, we're listening to the greatest rock band ever. Oh, God. And Brian says, we've waited a long time for this. Don't tell me what the band was. It's the Who? same thing as like when killers quote movies okay, for their well final words and leave shit. Leave the room because she's going to have to say it. <laughs> I'm plugging my ears. You better la 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 into the microphone. La, la, la. So, la, 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 la. Tori says, <laughs> prepare. <laughs> Pink Floyd. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god. Did you? All right. Before gonna... we commit the ultimate crime of murder, and then Brian says, we've waited a long time for this. Again, like he just repeated himself. And then Tori goes, a long time. And Brian goes, well, stay tuned. Now I can never say that again. <sighs> this is the point when they go into the basement of the house and into a small room where the breaker box is located. I told you everything that happened already, except for how many times they stabbed Cassie. It was com- it was true. Breaker box, breaker box. The way they got pissed off that she wouldn't come downstairs. So they really did stomp up the stairs. Imagine being a 16-year-old girl in a big house by yourself, and you hear two people stomping up the basement stairs as the power oh, no. is out the power is out your the phone doesn't not working work, and you have no cell service they kind of shauna's right like stalk her in this house for a little bit you know play a little cat and mouse like like slam strangers or like the damn strangers scaring the crap out of her and then they just fucking attack out of nowhere yeah no fuck that i would have died from a heart attack attack out of nowhere they stabbed her 30 times, 12 of which were fatal wounds. Holy shit. And these 12 fatal wounds were caused by two different knives, so they couldn't say, oh, well, one person did it. Yeah, no, and... Although they do try to claim... Tori tries really hard to claim he had nothing to do with it because of what we're about to hear next. Well, if... I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and plug it, but if you listen to Small Town Murder, they talk about that all the time. That after a couple stabs, you're already tired because you're getting through all of the skin and all well, of that muscle. Yeah. So one person did not do that alone. Especially I mean, it's happened two a sep- lot, Shauna. That no, no, no. one person can stab. Oh, you mean not with two, two separate, separate knives. knives? No, well, because one knife was serrated and one was not. That's how they knew they were different. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not like they're like double handing these knives, stabbing right. her that many times. So, anyway, at 11:30 p.m., they're back inside this car. Tori is driving. Brian is recording from the passenger seat. Brian says, just killed Cassie. We just left her house. This is not a fucking joke. Tori says, I'm shaking. Brian says, I stabbed her in the throat and saw her lifeless body. It just disappeared. Dude, I just killed Cassie. Tori says, oh my God. Brian, oh, oh fuck. That felt like it wasn't real. I mean, it went by so fast. Then Tori says, shut the fuck up. We gotta get our act straight. And then Brian goes, it's okay, okay? We, we'll just go buy movie tickets now. And then Tori goes, okay. I'm gonna stand by it. They're dumb as shit. Oh my fucking God. So Tori's defense tried to come down hard on the fact that Brian, Brian literally, literally admitted said, it. said, I killed Cassie. And not we. Yes. He said, I. Yes. They tried to pin it on him hard. But this video, like, sealed their fate. The jury was like, ah, no. You're both guilty. They were tried separately because of the fact that they 
went all the way through court still blaming each other claiming they did the other one had nothing to do with it like you I filmed everything right? jackasses you Not literally only, filmed it brian literally admitted it so where where was his defense anyway Oh, because he only stabbed her four times. None of the wounds that he created, according to him, were no, fatal. No, he literally said he killed Cassie, so... Oh, I know in the video. That's a confession. He I had know. no fucking defense. So Tori's defense strongly, like we said, pointed at the fact that Brian is the one that said he killed her. During the trials, it came out that Brian was inspired by Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold which are the two boys that did the Columbine massacre. Oh, boy. He actually wanted to do that. He wanted to go into the school with him and Tori and Oh, he wanted to do a mass shooting. He wanted to do a mass shooting. Tori is the one that was like, no, man, let's do it like the Scream movies where, you know, we... He wanted it to be more, like... Intimate and... Like one on one and people that they knew personally. And Tori ended up winning, and Brian was like, okay, we can do it your way. So that is how it became known as the Scream Murder, is because Tori was inspired by the movie Scream. But Scream had nothing to do with this. It was literally, he is mentally ill. They're both fucked up. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, is neither one of them had ever been in trouble before this. Not in school, not outside of school. They were known as good kids. And it just, they were secretly planning this. Except all the people, all the other students that the investigators interviewed to try to, like, get a feel for who they were they all said brian was a nice guy he was a good friend and that tori was a psycho and that they were scared of him and that he was always like pretending to strangle people and acting like he was gonna beat you up all the other students were like yeah we could see this out of tori but not brian which is weird right but Brian was found guilty on April 17th, 2007. Tori was found guilty on June 8th, 2007. And they were actually sentenced together on August 21st, 2007. And they got life in prison without the possibility of parole for Cassie's murder. Plus 30 years to life for conspiracy to commit murder. So both are currently at the Idaho State Correctional Institution, serving their sentences. Brian has taken full responsibility for his role in Cassie's death and said he is guilty 100% and he deserves to be where he's at and that he has no idea what possessed him to do it and that he regrets it every day. Yeah, bitch, because now you're in prison. But Tori has refused to even admit the slightest guilt even to this day claims he had nothing to do with it and his parents won't even let him entertain the idea that he was involved like he's a freaking adult now in his 30s how are you gonna say that he had no involvement oh they said he's 100 percent innocent and that this whole thing was the so whole his parents are tapes, sorry about it but his parents are just as fucking wackadoo as he is i uh-huh. did not read her book but his mom wrote a book like that was about your minor child getting life in prison without the possibility of parole and it's pretty much about how she claimed they railroaded him he murdered someone Mm -hmm. he deserves to be in prison well there is a documentary out there that like interviewed brian and tori as adults And Brian, like I said, sat on this video and admitted to what he did and took responsibility and said, yeah, I wish I could have parole. He's appealed and tried to get parole. He's been denied every time. But he takes full responsibility and understands why he is where he is. And the whole time they're interviewing Tori, his mom was and dad were there. Still. Still would not let him give this interview without them. Oh, my God. And kept making him go, you didn't do it, right, Tori? Brian did it. You're innocent. 
Tori. They need help. Like, I get, I get that they also, as parents, technically just lost their child. I get that. Yeah. But But he's still alive. And you can go visit him. Right. And he fucking murdered someone. And as your, as a parent, one of your jobs is to teach your kid to take responsibility for their actions. Well, the crazy thing is, is that during all of this, there was another girl that got murdered in Pocatello, like, for real. I think it said, like, 45 yards from Tori's house, and she had been stabbed to death, and her case was unsolved. It's still unsolved, and the police think he did it, but he would have only been, like, 13 or 14 at the time yeah but if yeah, he but is how it's still spr- yeah yeah if he is how the people at school described him i'm sorry most of the time the her people, body was found like not far from his house most of the time the people you yeah, go to that's school with too coincidental know right? you better than your parents know you so pretty much they're in jail right now the laws in washington have changed and they do believe sentencing a minor to life in prison without parole is considered cruel and unusual punishment. So they're reviewing cases that this has happened, but they have not reviewed Tori or Brian's case yet. Mm. It's not saying that they will automatically get out, oh, but I they'll know. take away the no parole part where they, they still have for parole, life. But- in prison, and they would go out up for parole ever so many and years, and then probably still which get will denied. literally suck for Cassie's parents. Yeah, because then they'll, because have, to they'll fight have to fight it to keep them in there. Oh boy! But that is the end of this horrible case wow. that gave me nightmares. Holy smokes! It's like my, it's like every girl's worst nightmare. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. Well, if you enjoyed today's episode, let us know by leaving five stars wherever you're listening. Leave a review, share it with your friends, your family, whoever, and uh, send us a case you want to hear. Send it to our email, missingmurderedhaunted at gmail.com. Does anyone have anything they want to add in? No. No. All right. We will see y'all next week. Bye. 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 Bye.